Hey, everybody. Thanks for subscribing to the Front Row Knowles podcast. Hope you're tuning in to listen on Real Talk Tallahassee 93.3 if you're in Tallahassee on a weekly basis, Wednesdays at noon. Also want to thank Seminole Boosters. Reminder, uh, if you're not already a member, jump on board to help make a great brand even greater. And don't forget, there are tickets available for Florida State's games this season. Just go to Seminoles.com backslash tickets to grab yours. That said, enjoy this week's Front Row Knowles. Broadcasting from the Prime Meridian Bank Studios in the capital city of Tallahassee, this is Front Row Knowles with Tom Block and Keith Jones. Front Row Knowles is brought to you by Hobson Chevrolet of Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Good day, everybody. Tom Block, Keith Jones with you. This is Front Row Knowles. KJ, how are you, sir? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. Now, disclosure, we're taping this on Tuesday night. It's airing on Wednesday at noontime. So we're right in the middle of the first Christmas, right? First part of Christmas, the early signing day. Is that is that how we're characterizing this? Exactly right. And based on our years and breadth of experience, also known as our older age, uh, we can tell you that Florida State got some. Hopefully nobody got away, probably didn't get everybody that was still uncommitted, but all in all, the bigger takeaway will be, and we'll, we'll dissect this next week with our recruiting experts from the Osceola. The bottom line on it is this, Keith, Florida state's coming off four average or below average seasons in a row, including a losing season this year at five and seven. And they're going to sign the best class since the early signing period began for a team that's in that position or coming off a losing season. I don't think you can argue with the work that they've done in terms of the collective uh, talent in this class. And while they have been able to get out and get face-to-face, remember the bulk of the recruiting effort for this group uh, was done via Zoom, via texting, uh, via multiplayer uh, games uh, that Coach Dillingham used to talk about all the time. Uh, and uh, it's remarkable what this staff has been able to put together. It really is. Well, so let's talk about that. You mentioned Coach Dillingham, and again, as we're talking, we don't know his decision ultimately. This may be out by the time folks are listening, but but thoughts on where Florida State goes if he moves on or, or, if, or, or if he stays? Then they, you don't have to make a decision, obviously, in that scenario. Well, and, and I personally hope he does stay because I like, I, I like Coach Dillingham, and I think that um, he has a great uh, ability, a, a big upside yet uh, as to what he has to offer. Uh, certainly, um, you know, one of the things that, that happens in this profession is, uh, you know, good people move on to other things. Uh, that's the nature of the beast. But I do know this. I've not had the conversation you may have, but I've not had the conversation with Coach Norvell. But every coach, and particularly the Coach Norvells of the world that are highly organized, uh, very perceptive, uh, you know, track things and plan things and, and, and work towards things. You know he's got a list of guys that if something were to happen and, and, and someone were to leave, he's got a list of uh, folks that he's going to immediately go after. So it's not of a concern other than, you know, the fact that one leaves and another one comes in. Uh, I know Coach Norvell's got it planned out. He just doesn't know when he needs to execute it. But I, I do hope uh, Coach Dilly stays around. I, I really think he's got a tremendous amount of upside. Yeah, I, I do too. I liked my interactions with him weekly when I would talk to him on Thursdays for the radio network. He's, he's a good mind. He's young. 
even though he's been at the, he's 31, even though he's been a coach for about 12 years because he started so early when he just showed up and wouldn't uh, be turned away when Mike Norvell was at Arizona State. That's where their bond started. I, I think uh, probably he's going to be gone, Keith, and maybe by the time this show airs. And I think Alex Atkins will, will potentially be the offensive coordinator for FSU, the line coach. Now, what's interesting there is you don't see line coaches make that move as much now. And uh, if it is Atkins, can he continue to coach the line? Does he just become a coordinator? Is he a co-coordinator? Uh, if he was still hands-on with the line, you know, you'd want somebody upstairs potentially too. And, and we can get to the defensive side of the ball where there are co-coordinators now with the news of Randy Shannon. What's your thoughts on that and that progression? Uh, I, again, I think seamless is too strong of a word, but I think it'll be very, very easy to make that transition. And let's not forget, Tommy, you know, 20 years ago, 25 years ago and prior, your offensive coordinator was almost always your offensive line coach. You know, that, right. that's, a, that's a recent, you know, couple of decade, 25-year thing where it becomes the quarterback coach or, 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 or something like that to becoming your coordinator. And uh, there's ways you can assist him with that in terms of getting him some graduate assistant help and things like that. I'm not worried about that. I mean, when it comes to logistics and planning and, you know, staying one and two steps ahead, Coach Norvell, I mean, that, that's in his DNA. Uh, you you and I have talked about, you made the comment when you were just getting to know him early on that he literally had every day of the next 365 days mapped out with what was going to happen. I mean, he 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 probably plans that meticulously. Yeah, there's no there's no wasted time. Every minute's accounted for. Um, yeah, to your point, Keith, and, and maybe this is where it's laying, you could have a run game coordinator and a pass game coordinator. Some schools do that. That's that's the way, you know, which is basically co-coordinators. We'll see that where that lands on the on the defensive side of the ball. I don't see the uh, so Randy Shannon replaces Chris Marv. He was here as an analyst. Now he's linebacker coach and he's co-defensive coordinator. I, I don't see that as in the intention being that Adam Fuller is sort of demoted because he went from full defensive coordinator to co. I see it more, uh, candidly, I see it more as a way to get Randy Shannon probably some more dollars, and we haven't seen his contract yet, but he's not just a position coach. He's got another title. You can justify it, and given his breadth of experience, that, that's a way you can get there. That said, well, he and Adam Fuller work well together, and I think it's a win-win. And let's not forget that it's a, a bow of respect for what Coach Shannon has done in, in terms of his background. I mean, you know, you, you don't bring in someone of his caliber and not give him some responsibilities. You'd be stupid because you're wasting a resource. So, um, no, I don't have a problem with that at all. I'm, I'm, I'm hopeful and sure that Adam doesn't have a problem with it either. And I'm pretty sure that uh, Coach uh, Shannon has been pretty instrumental in suggesting things already in terms of, uh, what he was doing during the fall when he was quote unquote, the analyst should point out as long as we're talking about all these coaches and uh, additions, potential additions, Mike Norvell this week, it was announced that got a year added to his contract. So his contract has been extended with the trajectory headed in the right direction. And that's something that typically takes place around <clears throat> signing day. Anyway, as kids are getting ready to sign, it is national signing day. And Keith and I'll wrap it up uh, next week and, and dive deeper about it. But we are going to talk to Amari Gaynor in our next segment, who I think that's big news given Florida State's challenges at linebackers where there haven't been a ton of bodies that they're going to have Amari back next year as an experienced player. 
Look forward to that conversation. Then we'll get some perspective from Jerry Kutz about Florida State's uh, athletics director search and more than that about its new athletics director, Michael Alford. So, Keith, good show. Lots of content ahead as always. Always. And I'm excited. I'll jump out ahead. I'm excited for Alford being here. I think he is an excellent choice. Yeah, I think so as well. So that's what's straight ahead. We're just getting started. Stay with us here on Front Row Knowles. Front Row Knowles is presented by Hobson Chevrolet of Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Now back to Tom and Keith. Welcome back to Front Row Knowles. Tom and KJ with you. It is National Signing Day, but Florida State got some good news earlier this week. Not involving a newcomer, but a veteran who's coming back, and he joins us now via the Earl Bacon Agency hotline, the Earl Bacon Agency, ensuring your future together. It's Amari Gaynor. Hey, Amari, how are you? How's it going? It's going well. Appreciate you joining yes, us. So, so so, walk us through it. How, how significant, uh, how much time did you expend going through this decision? Did you get an NFL evaluation? Who did you consult before you decided, you know what, I'm coming back, I'm going to wear the garnet and gold one more year? Yes, sir. I definitely talked to, uh, you know, people I trust, uh, my friends, my family, and uh, kind of just overall kind of just seeing uh, how, you know, what my next steps should be. I mean, I mean, it's definitely a big decision for me, uh, my future. So I definitely want to take time and um, and just realize, I mean, I just couldn't um, I just couldn't see myself in any other color than garden and gold uh, when it came down to it. Amari, uh, because of uh your commitment uh we we want to share with our folks that you've already graduated so you'll be working on a graduate degree as you continue on how important was that piece of paper for you and more importantly how important was it for your dad for you to have that piece of paper (laughs) yes sir i mean it was important i mean not only for just my dad but just for my mom too you know she's a teacher and she also graduated from florida state so i mean uh she's very big in uh education and uh she always preached to us i mean uh, that, I mean, that's going to hold weight for longer than uh, w- w- whatever you do. So, I mean, just getting that piece of paper, I mean, I was kind of talking to Jermaine about it. And, I mean, just, I mean, it comes into, fru- for, like, fruition. I mean, you don't even understand how great it is until, like, after you walk across that stage and uh, shake, shake, shake everybody's hands, you're like, wow, I really did it. So, I mean, it was a great accomplishment. What, what's your degree in, Amari? Interdisciplinary social science with entrepreneurship and urban planning. Yeah, I thought there was an entrepreneurship hook because I remember talking with you last year and you've already you've long had your own website and it's not just about football. I mean, it's about football, but it's also about your future when football is not involved. Isn't that right? Yes, sir. Uh, definitely has a lot to do with the uh, uh, AG Game Changers little foundation. Uh, definitely. Uh, that was awesome factor and coming back and kind of getting that going, uh, uh, giving books to kids. Uh, we're about to um, sponsor a. Uh, Bond Elementary and getting them books and uh, encouraging more kids to read in Tallahassee. So, I mean, uh, like like I was saying, that decision wasn't uh, just for me. It was kind of – it was bigger than me and uh, more for Tallahassee and just kind of keep on inspiring the youth and uh, just know that uh, I can do it, you can do it, uh, just perfect timing. Amari, you've had a little time to digest, obviously disappointed with the way the last game of the season um, – uh, played out, but after losing the first four, getting on a winning streak, as you look back on the 2021 season, uh, what, what did you learn from it? Uh, you know, I learned, I definitely learned growth and I also learned uh, patience. So, I mean, um, those are two vital 
vital, vital, vital uh, things that you're going to need, not only in football, but also in life. Because, I mean, not everything's going to come to you. Not everything's going to be easy. So, I mean, just uh, the way we uh, battled and the way we overcame kind of adversity, uh, could have easily give, given up. But uh, our leaders on the team, you know, kept fighting, kept pounding, kept kept staying into it. I mean, so, I mean, it was great. So, uh, to see everybody come together like that, it was amazing to see and uh, amazing to be a part of. Do you expect your role next year to be the same or, or where are you most comfortable or might it change in terms of, you know, would you be more of a pass rusher? Will you stay where you've been? Where do you feel most comfortable, do you think? Yes, sir. Uh, honestly, I just feel comfortable on the field. So, I mean, wherever, wherever, uh, wherever they need me, wherever I'm used, I, I see myself more inside linebacker next year and kind of also being able to be kind of versatile in the joker packages and also – uh, when they need me on studs, I mean a lot of a lot of teams at ACC kind of go more eleven personnel uh, instead of twelve personnel, which kind of leaves extra uh, DB on the field. So I definitely see my role increase at the will inside linebacker position, uh, growing under Coach Shannon. Tell me, he's also coached a lot of great uh, inside linebackers. Speaking of which, and you went right into it, uh, you will be playing for a different position, Coach. But all of Florida State, in fact, all of Florida fans, all Florida football fans, but regardless of this, uh, this, the college they pull for, they know who Coach Shannon is. How's your relationship with him? What are you looking forward to as you go forward? Yes, sir. Uh, my relationship is great with Coach Shannon. Uh, even last year, he kind of sat in on a few of our meetings, and he uh, kind of overall kind of analyzing stuff. And, uh, I mean, it kind of worked out perfect, uh, part of God's plan. So, I mean, he kind of he kind of saw what we kind of need to work on and uh, saw the strengths and weaknesses of each of us. And, I mean, every coach has their own coaching style. So, I mean, I'm going to be great. It's going to be great to see uh, Coach Shannon uh, coaching style, kind of uh, more of, uh, uh, you know, uh, letting us off the leash, kind of more uh, running around and hitting. What are you going to miss about Coach Marv, who obviously took a next step forward becoming a defensive coordinator? Yes, sir. Of course, with Coach Marv is a great coach. I'm definitely going to miss his uh, passion, intensity, and the way he goes about his business. I mean, just the way he, just the way he walks around and goes about his business, he walks around with a purpose. So uh, definitely to see uh, Coach Coach Marv and his purpose and just kind of how he treats everybody on the team, not even just the linebackers, but just everybody and how he goes about his business, uh, even the special teams, and just making sure that the little things are right. All right, let's talk about the important stuff. Do you have all your Christmas shopping done yet? <laughs> I currently do not. I'm probably going to get a TJ Maxx tomorrow and pick up on a few more things. But, you know, I mean, it's not it's not quite there, but, I mean, it's getting there. So, I mean, definitely need to get caught up on that. <laughs> hey, let's, let's talk big picture, and you don't have to go specific on this. And for our listeners' sake, we're recording this on Tuesday night. We realize it's signing day. Uh, generally, so we don't know exactly who is signed and who hasn't as we're talking, but you know who's been in and who's expected to come in. What's your thoughts on on the group that that Coach Norvell and and well and you folks help recruit? I mean, you guys host them when they come in. What's your thoughts on the on the that's overall good. talent that's coming in with this class? Uh, you know, I love the talent. I think they call themselves the Platinum Squad or something. But I, I love the talent that's coming in. They come in with a purpose, uh, coming in with a mindset. You know, what I mean. That's all you need, uh, especially in college football, is the purpose and the mindset, the way you go about your business. So, I mean, uh, as long as they come in as pros and uh, treat everything uh, as business, then it's, it's going to be great. I mean, I've seen – I mean, I see a lot of the O-linemen coming in. Uh, I helped recruit uh, the blessed kid uh, from – I think you said he was committed to UCF. So, uh, definitely excited to meet all the guys again uh, after freshly signing and uh, have that spear on their, on their helmet. <laughs> 
What's it been like for you to have a spear on the helmet, given you mentioned your mom went to FSU, people know your dad played. I'm kind of curious, what's your, you know, is there, are there photos of you when you're two years old in Florida State helmet and that kind of stuff? Yes, sir. I mean, you know, growing up, growing up in Florida, I mean, that's all I kind of believed in is uh, Florida State. Grew up watching them. I mean, I remember even my little brother, we were walking in the store and he picked up a gator. And my mom was, we were calling him uh, gator meat the whole time until he started crying. So, I mean, that's all, that's all we've known is Florida State and the spear. So, I mean, it's, it's great uh, wearing that spear and also wearing that scholar patch and be able to represent this uh, great university with pride and, you know, just, uh, and, you know, just, bring this back. We're talking with Amari Gaynor. Uh, I want to jump back big picture, Amari. Keith and I, when when the early signing period first came around and they, they were going to add it, we thought it might go to August before the football season so that guys could sign and enjoy their senior year without the pressure of recruiting. If memory serves, you actually signed in December, the very first early signing period when you were coming out of Child's. You know, looking back, the basic question is, is this a good spot on the calendar for this, given what's happening? And you know the college landscape. It's not happening at FSU, but coaches are leaving. Commitments are going with them. Just the way college football is, is there a better time for it, or do you like where it is right now? Uh, I mean, college football is definitely crazy right now with all the coaching changes and the transfer portal and all that. So, I mean, uh, I feel like being – even being a high school recruit guy or a JUCO guy coming out, I mean, I feel like I honestly feel bad for him. Cause it's just, it's just a crazy world we live in um, just with all the uh, recruits and stuff like that. But I mean, as far as the signing, I feel like it's, I feel like it, uh, you should go to a school where it's not just about the coaches. So I honestly feel like this is a good, this is a good part of, part of signing and, it helped me to early enroll. I mean, I miss baseball season, but I mean, it helped me to early enroll and kind of get used to the guys and get used to the speed of the game. So I feel like it, I feel like it does help. I mean, it helped, helps guys like Kevin Knowles kind of coming in, trained with us, um, being a part of the team. And I mean, you just get that camaraderie with your team. So, I mean, I feel like it does help to early enroll. Not sure about the signing day and the period because with all the coaching changes and all the craziness in football, but I do feel like it's a, uh, I, feel, I do feel like it's good uh, early in the role. Amari, do you guys talk about that? Do you you do you pay attention to what's going on in, in at LSU and USC and Oklahoma? Is that something that's on your radar, or are you just focused on what you're doing? I mean, of course, with all the social media, you know, you keep up with that. Just uh, loving sports, just kind of seeing where everything plays out. And I mean, of course, I keep track of LSU because they're on the schedule. So I mean, gotta keep up with everybody that's on the schedule, but. I mean, just seeing what's going around and kind of in college football, just, I mean, I mean, it's kind of interesting. So, yeah, I keep up with it. We'll let you get going on this, Amari. Just general thoughts on the overall trajectory of the program. You know Florida State's history. It, it hasn't been at the level that, uh, you know, your dad helped. He was part of the, the the start of the dynasty really way back when, before your days. But Is but there? it's certainly trending the right direction. So what's just your general thought right now as we go through this signing day and into offseason conditioning and spring practice again? Yeah, my general thought, you know, just excited more than anything. Uh, the new the new group of guys, everyone's older, kind of more experienced, got uh, knowledge of the game, kind of knowing where our identity is going forward. So, I mean, I'm very excited going forward. Also, the guys that we have coming in and the guys that we have coming back, I mean, I feel like we do have a special group of guys and to make some magic happen. So, I mean, 
And like we said, uh, it's, it's not about what we say, but it's about the work. So, I mean, just be able to go in there and work with the guys and off-season training and get chemistry and kind of make this more of a player-around player team and make, it, and make the magic happen. Amari, we appreciate a few minutes of your time and uh, congratulations on the success you've enjoyed so far and, and the decision. Enjoy it. Enjoy the holidays and we'll see you again next year. Yes, I appreciate it. Uh, Merry Christmas. Go Knowles. Amari Gaynor from Florida State and we'll come back with more Front Row Knowles right after this. Be sure to subscribe to the Front Row Knowles podcast and follow at Front Row Knowles on Twitter. Now back to at underscore Tom Block and Twitterless Keith Jones. Yes, you heard us right in the Prime Meridian Bank Studios. Welcome back to Front Row Knowles. Tom and KJ with you. We appreciate Amari Gaynor joining us last segment talk a little Florida State football on the field. We're going to go bigger picture athletic department off the field, really all things athletics with uh, Jerry Kutz from the Osceola. Jerry, I was, I was trying to think of the best title for you, and I think it's probably Grand Poobah. You were the one who started this whole thing in terms of covering Florida State, but how are you, sir? I'm good. How about you, Tom? Doing well. Jerry joins us via the uh, Earl Bacon Agency hotline. And uh, Jerry, you've seen a lot in your, your days covering Florida State. Last week has to go down as one of the more interesting ones. But I, I think ultimately, and this is what Keith and I want to talk about, Florida State, in my opinion, landed in a really good place with Michael Alford, who's, who's been on the ground for 15 months. He knows where the strengths are. He knows where there's opportunities and room for improvement. And, and more than that, he's just well-connected and I think the right guy for the job. Yeah, I feel very much the same way. Those uh, 15 months that he was here, uh, gave him an opportunity to, you know, get a lay of the land. He, he got out there and, you know, his first objective was to listen. And uh, he went out and he met a lot of our donors. He, uh, you know, took a hard listen to the employees and the boosters on what their goals were and what the goals of uh, our donors were. And so, you know, that's helpful. And he, he, he got an idea of uh, what it is we want to accomplish as a program. And uh, that really gave him a head start on, uh, you know, making sure that his vision and our vision were compatible. Jerry, it's an oversimplification, but it was almost like uh, the head coach in waiting. Although, I mean, I'm sure the job wasn't necessarily promised to Michael, but I always believed when he came on board that uh, he would at least be considered as a candidate. And that's just exactly how it worked out. That's exactly right. And, you know, Keith, I, I had the same opinion when we were, when Andy was retiring and, and they knew this 10 years ago, Andy had given him a date and then uh, closer to Andy's, um, you know, final, uh, you know, month, um, they had, they, they had plenty of time for a search. And, and I thought to myself, you know, if I was the king of Florida state, Rather than replace the president of Seminole Boosters, I would look for a guy because we knew David Coburn was a year or two and then he'd be retiring. And it was it seemed to me that it was an outstanding opportunity if I were king to go ahead and find a guy that could be my A.D. and hire him into that booster position. And uh, and, and in Alford. You have a guy that had a, you know, a longstanding um, fundraising background 
and revenue generating background and who was currently three and a half years into a tenure as athletic director at Central Michigan. And I think Michael had the, the foresight when that job came up and he, I, I think he saw, well, Coburn's only going to be there a year or two. This is a great opportunity for me to go from a Central Michigan to a Power 5 athletic director, top 20, you know, athletic director job. So I, I think it worked out for everybody. And I don't know if that was John Thrasher's grand plan, but it would have been a good, good one if it was. If I'm him, I'm taking credit for it. Let's put it that way. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I, 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 you know, people said to me, I mean, who would apply for this job when you realize the president's going to step down, the, the board of trustee uh, was going to roll off, and, you know, and David Coburn's going to be gone. Who would want that booster job? And to me, I thought, well, a guy that wants to be the AD would, you know, he's getting that 16, 18 month job interview. So I, I thought it worked out well for everybody. Jerry, there, there's a lot of ground to cover. Before we, we go deeper on, on Michael, uh, David Coburn has always been a behind the scenes guy. Uh, and being AD was not a behind the scenes job per se. And he had the tough task of, uh, you know, basically go in and make the budget work, which means you got to deliver bad news, hard news. Uh, how do you think, I, I guess what I'm saying, I, I don't feel people appreciated. Not all people appreciate the the task that he had for the last few years as AD. No, they don't. And, uh, and, and nor, nor should they. I mean, if you're not in this business, you wouldn't maybe understand that. So I don't begrudge those people who don't, appreciate the job he did but you're right it was a heck of a job and to me everybody looks at it as a bean counting job cutting budgets and that kind of thing but as you know it was a lot more than that when he came into this job the way he was able to get things done was he had worked for thrasher and he had you know john thrasher's support and he had kyle clark's support you know they really respect david we had Andy Miller over and, you know, still running Seminole Boosters. And Andy and David had been friends since and worked together extraordinarily well over the years. So there was mutual trust and respect there. And I don't think any of it happens, you know, the bean counting and the budget cutting. It doesn't happen without trust and, and communication. And, you know, David had been working as the deputy director for Barron. And then after Thrasher took over, he remained deputy director for Thrasher. So he, he had an intimate knowledge of the boosters and the athletic department situation. And even prior to that, when Thrasher was president, David was more of an informal advisor to Thrasher. I mean, to uh, uh, TK. And of course, Mary was TK's vice president. So there was a lot of trust and, and respect. And so I, I felt like they all had each other's back in this thing. And, and that's how David was able to come in here and, uh, and make some really hard, hard cuts in that athletic department. But Tom, there was another aspect to this. And that was that over the years, 
with Wilcox and uh, and uh, Randy Spetman, the fees that the university was charging athletics had gone up and up and up and up. And I think David was able to come in and see some of that and had the, you know, can we dial some of those fees back to what they were, you know, four or five years ago. And, um, and, and because he had Kyle Clark's respect and, and the president's respect, when he showed them a budget that wasn't working and a budget that would work, I think they listened to him. I don't think any other person could have gone into that athletic director's job and gotten the consensus between, you know, the, the president's office and, and boosters and athletics that David was able to get because of respect and trust. Well, and I think the realignment with the athletic association also fits into that three-legged stool uh, and, you know, Florida State had just gotten to the point where they were so big that the way it was set up wasn't working as well as it should. And, and he right. could make, he could shepherd that. He can make that happen as well. Absolutely, Keith. And, you know, Andy and I talked about this, Andy Miller and I talked about this. When you had Dave Hart in that athletic director seat, it worked. You know, the communication worked. Um, David, and what, well, let me just, let me say this, the FSU Athletic Association formalized an, a, a working relationship that had existed during the Dave Hart era. So I can get more granular if you want me to, but um, no, the FSUAA was, uh, that was important too. And, you know, we really didn't need it with Coburn in the athletic director seat, I don't think. But as soon as you get another athletic director, um, then you do need that structure. And, and for those listening, let me just explain this. The, the FSUAA, um, it, it, it's, a, it's a kind of a, a council, if you will, where the boosters have a seat on the council, the athletic department has a seat, and the president's office has a seat. And it creates a structure that, um, you know, has to be followed on a regular basis. So everybody's sitting at the table and talking. And there's, you know, budgets have to be shared. Five-year plans have to be shared. And it just formalizes what should be happening anyway. The, the other thing it did was it gave the booster person, the head of the boosters, a seat on the athletic director's senior council, you know, senior staff, and it gave the athletic director a seat on the booster executive committee. Now that always existed. That seat on the booster executive committee always existed. And Dave Hart took full advantage of that. He was a very active and uh, participant on the executive committee and much more so than any other athletic director. And so what happens is when you have that structure, if athletics comes up with a, a new idea or a, a need they need to fix right now, your booster guy is sitting in the room when that idea is germinated or that need is first brought up. And the, the booster guy can wrap his head around it. And uh, 
and they can flesh it out. And what was happening there after Dave Hart was athletics might have a need or an idea and the boosters wouldn't hear about it for months, you know, and wouldn't hear uh, about it till the ask, <laughs> till the ask until, came. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Until the ask came. And uh, all of a sudden, you know, we need a indoor practice facility. We had just, you know, and this, we just hearing about it. And we want it by August. And, you know, we got to go out and raise the money. It's not like, so I got to be involved in that project and try to, re- we built that facility and we had to raise the money and build it in about nine months. So that was challenging, but that should have been brought up, you know, two years earlier. And right, uh, right. now we've, now we've, now we've got a system that'll, that'll facilitate that. We're talking with Jerry Kutch from the Osceola. Jerry, you're, you're talking about the internal mechanics, which are, which are so important. I feel like, and, and see if you agree uh, externally from a fan's point of view, one of the things that Dave Hart brought was he was an advocate for Florida state. His voice carried weight in ACC meetings and nationally, he was an expert in the field, so to speak. Uh, if something went too far off the rails, he would hold a press conference and he'd take Steve Spurrier to task. I'm not saying Michael Alford's going to do that last thing, but I do feel like he's an expert in the field and, and somebody that I think will resonate externally because he's so connected and, and well-respected in the industry. Yeah. And yes, Tom, and to, um, when I talked to Dave Hart about FSU, you know, seeking a new AD, that was something he thought was important. You know, that, that Florida State needs to be have a representation at the ACC office and at the NCAA committees. They need to be heard. And, you know, of course, in David's tenure, David was only brought in there to handle the in, internal, not the external. And David didn't have those you know, lifelong relationships to be selected onto an NCAA committee or, you know, so that was, David was an interim and, uh, and David told me that he said the, that he felt like when they replaced him, that having a guy that had that national experience and those national relationships were important. Now, Alford has them. Alford has them um, uh, because he's been at, Alabama, Oklahoma, you know, USC, you know, he's, he's been around and, and he's been in the industry forever, uh, his whole life. He's 52 years old. Um, so he's built those relationships over the years. And to illustrate his, the fact that he is respected, when the NCAA started to study NIL, they selected Michael to be, he was at the time, Alford was at the time, was an AD at CMU. So they selected him as one of the ADs that would be on this council to study NIL and to work with Congress on it. And that group of athletic directors chose him to be the chairman of the committee. So that's the kind of, you know, respect that he has nationally. Um, so I'm, I, I think we touched that base with him. Oh, I think, I think we, I think we hit a lot of bases and we're just touching the surface of what could be a longer conversation, but Jerry, we just wanted you to paint a little bit of picture on it. Thank you as always for your insight and, uh, happy holidays to you and the rest of the Osceola folks and, uh, Alex and your family and everybody. 
Thank you. Thank you, Tom. Tom, if I could add one more thing about Alford, it's that the athletic department, I think, to, and I'm not as, I know the coaches within the athletic department and the staff that I used to work with when I was in the boosters, they were thrilled by this hire because I feel like we've had so much turmoil over the years with the new, new ADs, new coaches, uh, Andy's, of course, retirement, and new Michael Offer coming in, that we didn't have continuity and that we finally have gotten some momentum with fundraising. Um, and I can tell you a lot of donors have said this to me and pretty much everybody I've talked to in the booster office have all said, man, we got continuity. You know, we always share a common vision. And now with Alford going into the athletic director's post, we're going to be able to see that, that vision uh, to fruition. So that, that's, that's huge continuity right now in this athletic department. After all the change and with COVID, I think that, that was really welcomed by our donors and uh, our employees. That's well said. Jerry Kutz from the Osceola. You can subscribe. Go to theosceola.com. We'll take a break. Come back and wrap up Front Row Knowles right after this. Be sure to subscribe to the Front Row Knowles podcast and follow at Front Row Knowles on Twitter. Now back to at underscore Tom Block and Twitterless Keith Jones. Yes, you heard us right in the Prime Meridian Bank Studios. lot to react to from that conversation with Jerry Kutz. Keith, I'll let you have the floor. Uh, you and I have both been around it a while. So has Jerry, obviously. He worked at Boosters for a number of years, so he really knows how the sausage is made in the athletics department. Well, first of all, uh, I've come up with his title. He's the founding publisher of the Osceola. Write that down so we don't forget it. But yes, he has the ability to uh, do both to his perception as well as his longevity uh, and times that he's been there uh, to be able to react to things like that. And, and you know, the bottom line of all of it, Tom, is that sometimes you got personalities that mesh and sometimes you don't. Uh, Michael Alford is just one of those guys that can mesh uh, from a personality standpoint. You know, you and I've had him on the show. You've spent some time with him. I've not had that opportunity yet. But just in my little bit of time uh, in an interview uh, way back when he, he first came on board, you can tell, you can feel, you can sense that there's a, um, a depth to him. And a, and, a, and a vision that he carries. And it's, it's, I think it's been, a, I think it's a great choice. Yeah, I think it is too. And, and what you just said, Keith, that's the simplest way to explain the way the uh, FSU Athletics Association works. When, when people get along, then you can make progress. But when you don't get along or you don't see eye to eye, uh, you can go separate directions. But the structure now puts everybody at the table. Doesn't mean you agree, but ultimately it's an odd number of people voting and so there will be a decision made, and then everybody will move forward in the same direction accordingly once that decision is made. And that's that's what FSU is needed. To the point about Alford knowing folks, uh, obviously, Jerry Kutz mentioned who he knows at the college stage, and he's, he's very fond of Oklahoma's athletics director, but he worked for Jerry Jones at the pro level. Uh, and I know when we went to Clemson, he's, he's very good friends with Dan Radakovich, 
who's just made a lot of noise because now Miami has hired him and that was a big AD splash. But so these are people that he's well connected with and that bodes well for Florida state. No question. And, and, you know, the, the whole concept of the athletics association was simply to force that conversation because uh, I don't know if our listeners picked up on it. We don't have time to elaborate, but you know, Jerry and I know the conversation you do too about the ask, what would happen is that, the athletics department would put together their budget and then they'd go to the boosters and say, we need $21 million. Well, that's the first we're hearing about it. And so now the conversations have to take place before the ask comes. Right. That that's well said. So a lot going on for Florida state, obviously national signing day continues uh, today. Uh, We'll look back at that next week. Uh, Thanks to Amari Gaynor for joining us. Thanks to Jerry Kutz. If you're looking for a a Christmas gift, because you're running out of days, Go ahead and get that FSU fan in your life a subscription to the Osceola. Uh, it's about seven bucks a month, six ninety five a month. You can learn more and subscribe on theosceola.com. Keith, we'll do this again next week. Look forward to it. He's KJ. I'm Tom. Thanks for tuning in to Front Row Knowles.